That's a really good segue to say good morning to Stuart Dundeen from Alchemy Wines. Good morning, Stuart. Good morning. How are we? Yeah, excellent. I was trying to get Christina to put a foot in it so we could bring you in and then say, well, what about the Rhone? <laughs> so, Stuart, why don't you tell us a little bit about Alchemy Wines? Yeah, thanks, Phil. Um, well, I started Alchemy in 2014. I'd already been in the Yarra for a couple of years uh, since then. Um, and yeah, working on the Rhone theme, I um, really had a passion for the Rhone Valley, having worked there a couple of times and spending a bit of time in South Australia, specifically the Barossa. I had a lot of um, work and, and a lot of wines uh, from the Rhone Valley and um, the, the varieties. So I thought that would be an awesome place to start. I think you guys have touched on the quality of Pinot and Chardonnay in the Yarra Valley uh, this morning and and I have so much respect for that and the producers and and the people who have forged the reputation of Pinot and Chard in the valley so I thought well why not do something a little bit different as well and and I think there's a for me personally there's a great opportunity there for these alternate varieties being these Rhone varieties in the Yarra Valley. I think it's funny you call Shiraz alternate variety it's uh <laughs> but that's how people think about it in the Yarra isn't it I there's very few kind of um, people who really push it. Obviously, Bailey Caradus is one of the more famous people, um, but there's some amazing Shiraz. Was there was there any one wine from the Yarra that made you think, oh yeah, Shiraz is the way to go? Uh, it's it's interesting. I I kind of look at Shiraz as two different varieties in terms of Shiraz versus Syrah, um, and I think Shiraz has well been established in Australia as um, you know, quite a bolder, rounder, generous style of wine where I think a Syrah is more towards this f- refined palette with more layers and, and elegance there. So um, in terms of Syrahs that I find appealing from the Yarra Valley, I think Yarra Yering's probably, as you've touched on, um, one of my big influences. Actually, to segue, the Viognier was actually the reason why I came to the Valley. Um, I tasted that once and went, wow, this is an amazing white wine that I love and I just have to get more of it. Um, so ended up coming to the Valley because of that. Um, so Yarra Yering definitely um, was an interesting one for me. And since then, I've really branched out and found out a lot of those kind of lower parts of the Valley that perhaps are, are still in a cool climate, but perhaps a little bit warmer that can produce layers of elegance, yet a bit of opulence as well. Um, yeah, really show me what that variety can actually do, which when you look at where this variety is grown in France, being the Rhone Valley, um, there's some amazing ethereal, elegant, layered wines. And, you know, it's planted in three or more um, regions in in the Rhone Valley that all show unique characters. So... You know, we're able to diversify the styles and the characters of Syrah, which is also really appealing for me. Nice, Stu. Is it? Was it? Have you ever been over to the Rhone at any point to sort of learn about winemaking over there? Is that something that you're still planning on doing once we get out of this lockdown? Um, yeah. Look, I've I've done a couple of vintages over in the Rhone and and spent a lot of time travelling and seeing it. So. Um, my first one was in 2010 and I worked in um, Chateauneuf-du-Pape in the Southern Road um, and that was awesome. I spent a lot of time on the push bike and looking at vineyards and tasting wines and 
um, having a great time as you do when you work a vintage overseas. Um, and then in 2013 as well, I was, um, it was a cooler year, but I was lucky enough to work in Co-Roti as well. So it kind of got the, the other exposure where it was a cooler year, but I got to see Syrah from a really um, elegant, layered, um, floral um, kind of perspective from a producer who really loved Pinot Noir. And I think that's resonated with me as well. Um, is he always was kind of looking for the Pinot Noir qualities in his Syrah. And um, that I've really kept as a philosophical memory. I think that's a really good way to look at um, the finer styles of Syrah. That sounds beautiful. And some of my favourite Shiraz or Syrah in Australia are made by Pinot producers. And they're like finding that elegance of it as opposed to some of the like the more brutish elements, shall we say, in the hotter climates. I'm just uh, curious when you were over there. I mean, you worked at some amazing producers in the in the Rhone and how do you see any similarities between the Rhone terroirs and the Yarra Valley where you work now um very good question to be honest no um I think the Yarra you know as you guys have touched on the Yarra is such a diverse region so many different areas and soil types and and altitudes um I think the one thing that we can't really emulate is is the um, the soil and the climate of of Europe? Um, even though we can produce amazing, um, for example, Chardonnays in Australia, and you know have some people tricked to think they're Burgundian or from Chablis or or wherever, um, I, I I think we're you know making wines that you know are as good as um, European wines, but in terms of our production and winemaking, it's completely different. Um, you, you can draw a lot of philosophies and mentalities from, you know, learning from these people, but the, the wines and the styles um, that we're trying to create are completely different. I think you're, um, if if I'm if I may comment on on your style of wines, I, the wine that always really captured me with your with your wines was always your whites, your Marsan in particular. Um, Marsan as a great variety. It sort of, I know a lot of listeners um will drink shiraz and syrah styles on 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 a regular basis but in victoria marsan is not necessarily something that we come across as much you have you have to bilk marsan which is which is probably australia's uh most most notable marsan and then caroline mooney's got a, a little bit planted and then you've also got um sandra de yeringberg working with it for you, I know you said Bionia kind of brought you into the Yarra, but was Marsan a labour of love as well? What sort of what sort of things do you like to get out of that variety? Yeah, Marsan is really a labour of love, and I have from that Yarra Yering um, Bionia have so much respect for Bionia, and um, haven't yet tackled it, um, but I will one day. Um, but yeah, look, Rusan was really something that appealed to me as as the kind of cousins being. Marsan, Roussan and Viognier. Roussan was the, the cousin that really appealed to me because I just found it carried a little bit more uh, minerality and acidity and was tend to be a little bit more floral and finer, which was where I really philosophically wanted to take my wine brand um, in terms of the styles that, I, that I'm making. Um, there's not a lot of Roussan planted in the valley. Um, so sourcing that material or those, those grapes was very, very difficult. Um, so yeah, I managed to find a beautiful, um, little vineyard in a, in an old Italian guy's backyard. Um, he planted an acre 
um, over now 25 years ago, he um, he planted it because he liked it. So yeah. Um, yeah. it was quite an opportunistic thing for me to come along. He didn't really have a buyer. He was giving the grapes away to a friend. So, yeah, I came along and actually found that uh, Marsan, which you touched on to Bilk, which is, you know, Marsan and Roussan and Viognier are typically warmer climate um, grape varieties. But what we find is when it's grown in a cooler climate, um, like the Yarra Valley, um, you, you still get all of those beautiful varietal qualities of the varieties, but they maintain the acidity really, really well. Um, and you don't blow your alcohols out either. A lot of these white Rhone whites tend to have alcohols, say 13, 13.5% um, alcohol. And, and for me, with that alcohol richness comes um, maybe the wines become a little bit too forward and probably a t little bit too glycerol in sweetness and, and perfume. So I think having a cooler climate for these grape varieties can really help how they, um, how they perform and, and show in the glass. So it is a bit of a la labour of love being a variety or varieties that aren't um, necessarily mainstream like the Chardonnays or your Sav Blancs or your Rieslings. Um, it is a bit of a hard sell, um, but yeah, I'm, I've never been one to shy away from a challenge as well. So I am following my passion and, and my love for these varieties. And, you know, one day I hope that Marsan and Roussan and Viognier do become these mainstream varieties that, you know, people can walk into a bottle shop and just go straight there because, you know, they're having a particular food or they feel like a particular wine and they go straight to that kind of roan white section and go, that's the wine I want because I know it and I love it. You're back live on The Wine Show, 96.5 Inner FM, and we have Christina Kaig and Stu Dundee from Alchemy Wines chatting to us at the moment. Now, guys, we were talking about the wonderful Rhone Valley white varieties that you're making, Stu, and Christina, you were going to ask Stu about how he's communicating about his wines at the moment? Yeah, so um, I think uh, Stu and I met uh, I think we met at, um, at Atlas when you came in and did a, a wine tasting for us. So yep. in the, in what we fondly refer to as the before times, uh, <laughs> we, we used to be able to taste wines with winemakers on a regular basis and invite customers to come in and do that, uh, face to face, which, which, um, nowadays I get, I get a masked figure, you know, walking in with a hood <laughs> and, and dropping off tiny little medicine bottles being like, your samples are here in a, in a kind of witchy voice um uh, in terms of uh how uh, the lockdown has affected you as a as a wine maker and wine communicator how how are you how are you keeping in touch with with your customers how do you sell wine when when you can't go out and pour it for people it's so hard i mean it's it's one of those things that wine and food and restaurants and bars they all just marry together so well and you know it is it is so difficult at the moment to just live our lives the way we used to it's going to take a bit of adjusting still um but yeah we we push on and i think um you know running a small business um i need to be always able to adapt and and you know dare i say pivot um <laughs> and also um you know think on your feet and find opportunities um uh, where there maybe previously wasn't or find an opportunity that um i need to kind of an avenue i need to look at so that actually led me to thinking, you know, 
in um, in lockdown one, I thought, golly, how do I sell wine when 80 to 90% of my booze was sold in restaurants and bars? What am I going to do? How long is this going to go for? Um, am I going to earn any money over the next 12 months? Ah, what's going to happen? Um, so I was speaking to a few mates and we were fleshing out um, how we can do it over Zoom. And it was kind of um, a few ideas were thrown around like trivia nights, um, and wine tastings and things like that where we send uh, bottles of wine to people. And I don't know, I just had a really, I had a thing where um, I felt sending full bottles of wine to people to do online tastings was a bit too much. I thought um, in terms of the financial outlay um, for households, which were, you know, on the, on the cusp of um, being in, you know, a recession um, and then also expecting them to open those said wines um, all at once for a quick, you know, hour odd long tasting would have been a bit daunting and too much to expect of people. So, um, yeah, fleshing that out with a few mates, I just kind of thought, well, why don't I decant these wines and and deal with it? And the first tasting I ever did, I actually just kind of thought about it and went, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it up to my mailing list and then worry about everything else later. So <laughs> I, I literally thought of a concept which doing the Rhone Valley varieties, I actually did a, a virtual tour of Victoria uh, via Zoom. And um, that was great because at the time, most of these wines are sold out and I pulled a few museum wines out of um, out of my little cellar. So I had a Geelong Mavedra and a Roussan from the Gambi Lakes um, and a few Yarra wines as well. So I could do this little virtual wine tour with these um, wines. And then I just, once I um, sold the tasting out in about 12 hours, um, I went, okay, now I need to get myself some little bottles and, and figure out how I'm going to do it. So I've, I've really just adapted uh, with the situation and, and figured it out um, along the way. And obviously using the bottles that I usually do um, to take my wine samples anyway, um, I kind of knew how I was going to do it in the back of my head and who I was going to call to facilitate that. So, yeah, it's been really good and successful. Um, a lot of people have done multiple tastings and to the point where they're even um, doing a tasting with one group and then recommending it to their other group of friends and then they're, they're, I find them organising it for another group um, and they happy to, they're happy to do it again as well. So um, there's that kind of return interest which is really positive and also um when i you know speak to people about it they they kind of just say at the moment that it's it, it it's the thing during the week that is actually the most normal event um of the time so a lot of people are really enjoying it just being able to have a drink with their mates and and obviously learn something and have access to you know i'm the business owner and winemaker and chief barrel cleaner and everything else so um, they've got access to an amazing resource if they want to ask questions um, and really drill down on, you know, the specifics about my wine or as we're talking about the Rhone Valley or the Yarra, um, you know, I can really elaborate on anything that they're really interested in as well. And Stu, I was curious, what size bottles do people get? Yeah, so I'm, I'm serving them in 100ml uh, bottles. Um, you know, and there's, there's other options out there in terms of sizing. Um, but I, I kind of think that that's a good size in terms of making sure the wine is, um, safe. And I'm, I'm being a winemaker first, I'm quite, yeah. um, pedantic about making sure the, 
the wines still look good when they're presented. So I figure that in a slightly bigger format, they'll just be able to keep that little bit longer. I, I, I truly believe that um, the wines begin to degrade after about three days. I think they're still drinkable, but I want to make sure I'm presenting these wines as fresh as possible um, and also at the same as somebody would open them if they'd cracked a brand new bottle. Um, so that's really important for me to make sure that they're that if they bought a bottle from me on the back of the tasting, they weren't, um, you know, surprised or upset that the bottle looks different to the <laughs> bottle they tasted the week prior. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really careful with making sure that the wines are delivered and drunk um, promptly. Now, I was curious too, how do you encourage that participation from the people online? Because it's it's one thing to have a room full of people and they start to get a bit loose, but sitting online, it's very, it can be quite daunting to actually speak up, you know, virtually. Yeah, so how do you get the people to talk? Yeah, interesting. And it's funny when you do a tasting in a cellar door, you know, back in the old days, um, you know, the group would always walk in and the first couple of wines, they'd be as quiet as anything, mm. you know, and they might be the first group for the day at 11 o'clock in the morning and they're quiet and, you know, they just kind of look around and taste a few wines, go, hmm, they're nice, you know, and they're pouring them out and, and whatnot. And then you get a group at the end of the day after they've been to two or three cellar doors and they're, they're not rowdy, but they're certainly <laughs> um, a little bit looser, loosened up and, you know, they've got their eye in and they're happy to chat and talk. So, I, I expect that with the online tastings and I understand that. So I think it's just a matter of engaging with people and, you know, I'll, I'll ask them anything and everything from, you know, what they did today or what they're having for dinner or, um, you know, for example, Marsan, which I often lead in with as, as my first wine that I pour, um, you know, a good conversation piece with that is, has anybody ever heard of Marsan? Um, and then, most, most people, it's probably a 50-50 split um, and most people have heard of Tabilk Winery as we touched on when I elaborate on Marsan and I talk a little bit about that and the history of Marsan, um, not just in in Victoria um, or Australia. I, you know, I talk about the Yarra Valley and how long it's been around. Um, so I'm kind of able to segue it back into my story and my wines um, as well. So, yeah, it's just a matter of asking questions and also letting the the conversation flow as well. If there's a bit of banter, I encourage that and I say that at the start. Um, and as with wine, um, there is no such thing as a silly question. So I'm always saying, um, you know, always ask questions. And I've, I've had all the typical questions of, you know, how do you get the apricots in the wine? <laughs> you know, and all the way to, you know, what soils are in Gladysdale? So, you know, it's it, it ranges and, you know, I'm happy to answer any of those questions as best as I can. Awesome. I um, I love the way that you tend to sort of uh, interact with customers. I remember when you came in, you were always really great at breaking down barriers between between different technical terms and that kind of thing. Um, I don't want to I don't want to get too technical into it, but you've been working on some new projects lately we're sort of just wondering whether or not you, you've got anything that's coming out fairly soon that you're releasing that you're really excited about. Uh, I, think, I think you've got some Shannon Blanc, is that right, coming, coming through that you'll get to talk about? Uh, no, Shannon, but um, I've actually in the last couple of years um, kind of diversified a little bit. And last year I made my first orange wine. So that's essentially a um, white, white grapes fermented 
in contact with the skins um, similarly to a red and the wine ends up coming out orange. And uh, I did that with the Marsan, which we've spoken a bit about. Um, so that was hugely successful making um, a wine that kind of was around for a good time and not a long time. Um, and that sold exceptionally well. So I've done that again this year and, and drilled down on it a little bit um, and, you know, had a few wines over the last 12 months thinking, oh, yeah, I kind of want to take my wine a little bit more in that direction and, um, you know, and develop it and improve it. So that, that'll that be coming out um, around springtime. I've also, because we had such a cool year in the valley or a cooler year in the valley, um, the vineyard that I'm uh, farming myself as well was um, – wasn't really going to ripen adequately. So I decided one morning, literally I woke up and went, oh God, these grapes aren't going to ripen to where I need them. And that morning I just went, right, okay, we're going to pick some today um, and make a pet gnat. So that's um, a sparkling, uh, an ancestral method of making sparkling wine, um, which um, the, the fermentation is, is trapped um, kind of towards the end of the ferment um, in, in a bottle, in a sparkling bottle, and then um, the yeast will continue to ferment the sugar um, and obviously make carbon dioxide um, as a byproduct and carbonate the wine naturally um, in, in, in situ in the bottle. So um, I've decided to um, take the plunge and make a, a little small run of that. So they're probably a couple of wines that I'm really excited about playing with. And, you know, we've spoken a bit about the Rhone Valley and and my uh, fascination with the Yarra Valley um, and the varieties there and also continuing from last year when I made my first Pinot Noir and Chardonnay from the upper Yarra Valley, um, and I've done that again this year. So I'm really excited, actually. For me, 2020 vintage um, in the Yarra specifically, we were, you know, we, we were actually very, very lucky to avoid um, the bushfires and the smoke, and there was a bit of tension around that at the start of the year. and we were very, very lucky um, to um, have enough information behind us to be confident that we could make wines without any taint. Um, but, yeah, I really believe this vintage was the winemaker's vintage where the cooler weather and the, the moisture that we had really from the new year um, really retained a lot of flavour and kept the acidities quite high and, and the sugar levels were a little bit lower. So um, the, the wines this year will be really floral and really delicate um they'll have a lot of layers to them and not necessarily the opulence um that we see from perhaps a 2018 or a 2016 so i'm really excited to be releasing all of these uh 2020 wines um whenever that may be over the next couple of years because i think they'll just be absolutely beautiful uh stonking wines that you know we had 2012 which was an amazing vintage in the yarrow then we had 2015 and this was after 2010, obviously. And then we had 2017, which, you know, being able to make those wines, I went, oh, my God, this is this doesn't get any better than that in terms of being winemaker wines. Um, but, yeah, dare I say 2020, um, I think, you know, and there's still a bit of water to go under the bridge before I conclude this, but I think we'll be certainly up there with another great vintage for the Yarra. Excellent. And what a great way to end on a nice bit of positivity and optimism. 2020, something good's come out of it, the wines from the Yarra. So we're going to look forward to trying those, Stu. Now, people can find your wines and all about you at your website, which is Alchemy Wines. Now, if you're like me, 
you might think that alchemy is spelled differently, but it's A-L-K-I-M-I, alchemywines.com. And that's where they yep. can find all of your information, Stu. And you're, you're still doing the Zoom tastings at the moment? Yes, I am. Um, at the moment, I don't have any up, but I'm thinking about doing one actually next weekend. So I've got on my website, um, Phil, as you said, I've got a little um, contact us um, section on my cart. And so if anybody's interested in doing an online tasting, if they're happy to send me an email directly, um, when I do decide and figure out a date that I'll put one up, I'll definitely let them know um, that it's up and they'll have access to that via the link. Oh, yeah, do one next weekend. I'll come. I I don't have to be on the radio. That's perfect. <laughs> well, All right. um, I am I well, am thinking of doing one next yeah. weekend, so um, I'll definitely let you know for sure. Awesome. All right. <laughs> well, uh, we might chat off air about that. We've got to make a move. Stuart, thank you for joining us on the radio. Your wines sound amazing, and hopefully we see you in a Zoom chat in the near future. Thank you for having me, guys. Um, have a good uh, windy Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. So, Stuart Dundeen from Alchemy Wines. You can Google Alchemy Wines. He's in the Yarra Valley and it's alchemywines.com.